don't we go ahead and stand, and we'll read the text, let some context sink in for us. The elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So it is fun to be walking through the Word. Uh, This June will be my 10th year in Prineville. Uh, So getting a good decade under my belt, loving Prineville. You know, it's home. I have uh, a nice juniper tree picked out up at Juniper Havens to be buried under, you know, if the Lord would have me stay in Prineville. Uh, Love, love Prineville. And one thing that's special about being here is that we've been going through the New Testament in that 10-year period. When I was here, we were in Luke, about chapter 16. I took over for Pastor Ryan, and then over time uh, have taught through much of the New Testament, not all of it. Um, but, you know, we're in Third John, then comes Jude, and then the very last book, which is the Revelation, as your children's song taught you so well. I think they're singing that downstairs today, is the, the books of the Bible. So, Third John, like Second John, is a book that is often neglected. Um, it's, it seems so short, and so if it's short, it must not be very important, right? I mean, often we think that. Uh, but, of course, that's not true. Um, Second John, kind of the sister book to Third John, uh, has many similarities. You know, it champions truth. If you even have it open, you'll notice uh, mine's it's on the same page. You've got Second John here. And how often the word truth is used in the first five verses how often the word love is used, um, and those are common themes in Second John. In Second John, uh, truth, truth, truth is a repeated word, which, which speaks of a key to it. It speaks of an idea that is trying to be put across. Um, but love is as well. In fact, love perhaps is the more paramount push for John in Third John. And how do we love people? And you might even remember in 2 John, we were trying to feel that balance out of loving for people, but what if they're false teachers, and what if they're deceivers? How do we love them then? And what if they come knocking on our door? What if they want to stay with us? And there's that admonition not to receive them into your house, not to bless them, not to join arm in arm with them, lest they, you know, you would be sharing in their evil deeds. And, and so there was some instruction on how to love false teachers and how to not receive them into your home and show them hospitality to the same degree that as third john would teach us and instruct us that we are to receive certain people we are to receive those who are of the truth we are to be hospitable and so there's that great instruction for us in the example of a guy named gaius okay so as we are here in this 200 um 200 word letter it's an epistle an epistle by an apostle. Try teaching that to your kids right right now. I'm 
talking to Lainey about, uh, well, actually, they're writing out First John right now in homeschool so that they could learn to love each other as siblings, okay? Holy moly. Um, you know, but we need that too, right? We got to learn to love each other as siblings, okay? It's tale as old as time. Doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and, and as I'm teaching her about First John, written by John, same guy that wrote John and Second John and Third John, their epistles by an apostle, okay? Uh, and so it's a letter. And while Second John was written to the lady, here we have an individual in mind, a guy named Gaius. A man named Gaius, who is the first of three men in the sandwich of this book. Gaius, followed by Diotrephes, uh, followed by uh, Domitian, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. Demetrius, sorry, Demetrius. Uh, these three men that are examples to us, that have reputations given to us. And if I can just throw out an outline to the book, and you might write it and scribble it in the margins of your Bible, but... Uh, for a main idea given to us by uh, Dr. Daniel Aiken, uh, a book I'm reading right now regarding Third John, this main idea, Aiken says, is that as followers of Jesus, our lives and reputations ought to reflect his love, affection, and hospitality toward one another. Okay, so as followers of Jesus, our lives and our reputation ought to reflect his love, affection, and hospitality toward one another. Okay, so uh, Lord, give us that reputation. Let us have reputations of love. Let us have reputations of affection. Um, let us have reputations of hospitality. And in the book, we have the elder, John, writing to the beloved Gaius. Now in the scripture, in the New Testament, there's a number of different Gaiuses, Kai, 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 Gaiuses, okay, Gaiuses were, he's a cool guy, okay, it was a great name, it's a common name, it was like the Freds, the Billies, the Joes, the Easies, you know, maybe not the Easies, okay, Easy is one of a kind, there's only been one, there will only ever be one, where is Easy today, man, we gotta call him, someone sh send Easy a text, tell him we love him, he'll be feeling good, um, common name though, Gaius, three or four times in the New Testament, um, each Gaius is a different guy, uh, okay, each Gaius is a different man, but they're men that were awesome. In the book of Acts chapter 19, one was persecuted and thrown into the amphitheater in Ephesus. Uh, he was a guy that was being persecuted for the testimony of Christ. Uh, and another Gaius in Romans was a hospitable man, similar to this Gaius. There's a, a Gaius from a place called Derby which was uh, one of Paul's first missionary journey towns. Uh, a few different guys, and I was writing in my notes, and I'm like, surely Gaius is one of these guys, you know? And then as I'm reading all the commentaries, I'm reading, they're like, this Gaius is none of these guys. I'm like, that's what I meant to say. He's a whole different one. It's just a common name, okay? So we don't really know which one this is. Um, but whoever he is, though it's a common name, Paul has an uncommon affection for him. How, how do we get that? Well, man, this is a guy that he's not afraid to just put his hand to the cheek, as I did Chris, and Chris, my brother. He's my beloved Chris, you know, like older brother. Today, Titus was sitting on the couch, and he's like, why does Chris come visit so often, you know? And I'm like, well, if you count once a year, uh, or once every four years, but twice this year, because uh, we're brothers. You know, you have Russell, I have Chris, you know? And, uh, and, and Paul, or John, had Gaius, right? He had this guy that he was loving in truth and you may want to take your pen and just underline the word truth as it would come up in these few verses because not only does he love him in truth but he calls him beloved it has that root word agape within it just this guy that's my brother just nothing he could do could stop my love for him it's this agape love and he has a prayer for this brother it's an interesting prayer. Your ears may perk up, and maybe they did as we first read it today. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Okay? So we have this interesting verse. My beloved friend, I have a prayer for you. 
It's a prayer that's a selfless prayer. You know, a selfless heart always desires the benefit of others. A selfless heart is not afraid to rejoice with those who would rejoice and who would have the grace of God poured out on their life in a way that would cause you to cheer alongside of them. And so when you really love somebody and, and that love would lead to selflessness, then you will pray for them. And you will pray for success for them. Selfless love prays for the benefit of others. I pray that you may prosper. In the Greek, it's an interesting two-word phrase. Forgive me as I butcher it. Eukomai euodustai. All right? Eukomai euodustai. Something like that. Probably nothing like that, actually. That's phonetically how it looks. But here's what it means in the Greek. I desire that it may go well with you, that you may get along well, that you may gain in business, that you may be complete. That you may be complete. And so we have this word, and don't be afraid to underline it, because it's twice in this verse, and it's the word prosper. The word prosper, it's actually rare as you look up the Greek. It's only really used twice in the New Testament outside of this verse. In Romans chapter 1, Paul was praying that he might find a way in the will of God to come to you. And it's that word, find a way in the will of God, and it means to find success. That we might have success when I come to finally get there and visit you. So it's kind of a weird place to find prosper, though, right? Like, I hope to come visit you sometime. I hope it works out. That's essentially what's being said here. I hope it works out. But then another place in 1 Corinthians 16.2, and we're going to come back here in a little bit, it says this, and it's a great verse on our generosity and how we use the resources God has given us. And I think it fits well with this uh, prosperity verse in 3 John. It says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. So something that we could learn from already today. First day of the week, each one of you lay something aside. Has that been done yet today? But then it goes on to say, storing up as he may prosper. Okay, so this is the other place where this word prosper is found. And we're going to see a context that's similar in 1 Corinthians 16 as it is in first, uh, rather 3 John. So let's just go ahead and pull this verse apart just a little bit, and let's be real. Because we have this phrase, prosper, perhaps our guard goes up a little bit. And I think that's rightly so. I think that is something that I hope every one of you, as you begin to hear these uh, words that are cliche words that are used in our cultures, that are used within our circles, that are used within um, even the religion that would perhaps say they wave the same banner that we do. Uh, why would our guards go up when we come across this word prosper? Well, because of what is often called the prosperity gospel, okay? Because of what is called prosperity theology, all right? Or many of us know it as maybe the health and wealth gospel or the health and wealth movement or the word of faith movement. And so if you've spent much time watching TBN, you know, or in various circles within our community, you will find that there's a teaching out there that says that because we are born again and have the Holy Spirit in us, we've been made gods as God is, almost a Mormon-type theology, uh, that we have the same DNA as Jesus, therefore we would never suffer. And are you already like, well, wait a minute, the Jesus I know sort of did in a way. I, yeah, full-blown, right? Uh, and so what we have is, um, you know, this, this theology that, that takes verses out of the Bible and uses them like evangelical cigarettes, it's been called, you know? You take them, and you strip them out of their context, and you drag on it till it pleases you, and then you toss it to the curb, all right? Or put it in an ashtray, which is probably the better place to put that, all right? 
And this is one of those verses. Chris and I were talking about that, that this is a verse that people who don't know the context of Scripture, that don't know the rest of the epistles, that don't understand even the theology of God on suffering, they will take this prosperity verse with a beautiful word in it that we shouldn't be afraid of, and they'll rip it out of context, drag on it till it suits their purposes, and, and throw it to the curb and move on to the next verse. And so that's a very dangerous thing. We've studied that a lot in the Timothys and the pastoral epistles. But with it comes this theology that God wants every one of his children who are children of God, children of the king, to run around like princes and princesses, okay? Uh, to be wealthy, to want for nothing, to have the finest items in life, uh, to drive the finest cars, uh, to live in the finest homes, <coughs> um, to wear the finest suits of clothing, and in addition to that, to, uh, to never be sick, to never suffer, to never suffer need, and anything else that would be any sort of discomfort, irritation, or lack of luxury in your life. And it was very fitting this week, because you know, I'm not able to watch every DVD or video that comes across my desk, but I was given a video a number of weeks ago, and as I was doing a Nepal workout, dying, sweating, spitting, and all kinds of stuff, you know, I had this DVD on in front of me, and it was just a great, somber warning to the American church of the popular doctrines that are out there. Uh, many well-known names within the health and wealth movement, within the word of faith movement that are teaching false doctrine. They're teaching false gospels. They're teaching a gospel that lifts us up and elevates us in our flesh and in our pride and demeans and denotes the desperate need that we have for a savior to wash us of our sin because we are spiritually bankrupt. Because on my best day, I got nothing. On my best day, my best works are like filthy rags. And I need the hero and the champion that the scriptures testify of. His name is Jesus. And I need him in my life. I need him to wash away my stain. I need him to wash away my sin and remove it from my life. I need him to give me a power in my inner man so that I can even want to know him and obey him and live for him. Uh, and I need him to give me that same spirit that he knows, that he sends, so that I'm not an orphan. He gives me this one called the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, so that now, though I do suffer, I suffer in power. And though I do suffer, I suffer with a smile on my face and with joy, counting it all joy that God is doing something, Okay. Uh, and that when I do suffer, uh, I go through times where I cease from sin, Peter says. Because when I'm going through times of suffering, I got no time for that junk. I need my Jesus, okay? Uh, it doesn't mean I'm perfectly, you know, sinless, but there's this incredible sanctification that happens, Peter tells us. And Peter also tells us that when we do suffer, suffering causes us to commit our souls to him as to a faithful creator. I love the sovereignty of God as we're going through the word because this last Wednesday night at high school ministry, we were in Acts chapter 14. And in Acts chapter 14, Paul goes back through where his first missionary journey was and he strengthens the souls of the disciples. And he says, we must through many trials enter the kingdom of God. How did he strengthen souls? He says, you've got to continue in the faith, and you're going to need to, because it's through many trials that we will enter the kingdom of God. Not a very popular message at those Christian pep rallies, is it? But it is a good biblical theology of suffering. As he says in the Philippians book, that to us it has been granted not only to believe in him, amen, but to also suffer for his name. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. I mean, that's part of the suffering, isn't it? You know, whether we've got 
glaucoma or whether we've got a rash or whether, you know, we get in a fender bender or whether we're being persecuted because we're not sitting on our derriere, we're out preaching the gospel as we're called to in the Great Commission. People don't like that. It's an offense. It's going to bring a sore. And so may the Lord give us the boldness and the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to rejoice in taking up our cross and following him. Counting the cost to be his disciple. Being ready to suffer. No, does that mean that we hate um, financial uh, blessing and we despise it and we run from it? We become almost a monk or something? Does it mean that, that we don't pray for health and we don't pray for healing? It doesn't mean that. You know, so on the one hand, well, with the, with the high school group this last Thursday night, we went through about 15 verses or 12 verses, and they were all up on the screen, and we went high schooler to high schooler. Hey, let's read through these verses together just to know, like, like suffering is a reality of the Christian life, but the beauty is, I will never leave you or forsake you. We'll never be alone in the suffering. He always has our best interest and his glory in mind when he allows us or when he causes us to go through these times. We remember that a disciple is not above his master. If they hated him, they're going to hate us. And so while it's true, and we said amen, you know, we said, yes, Lord, give us the power to, to understand uh, persecution. Give us the faith to count it all joy when we fall into the Hodgkin's disease that my brother-in-law, future brother-in-law has that is just whooping his rear end right now. He is in so much agony and pain and distress and discouragement, and he's a new believer, and, and he was out evangelizing to just everyone he could preach the gospel to, and then he just gets jobed. We call, I don't know, we call it jobed. <laughs> he got jobed, you know? You read the book of Job. It's like whatever bad could happen is happening. And just the other day, you know, my sister said he, He's been off chemo for about four weeks, and his lymph node just looks like a squirrel with a mouthful of, you know, the, the nuts. And so as he is just swollen and, and in pain and agony, they had to go in for emergency surgery. And, uh, and yet, just my sister, who's a seasoned saint, is just encouraging him and trusting in God as to a faithful creator in these times. And as he's suffering... He is testifying of how good a God he has. Uh, and that we do know that he works all things together for good. doesn't end there, though, right? For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So all of that's true. Amen. I mean, it's, it's like we've got to know that. We have the red flags pop up when we hit prosperity, health, wealth, and wisdom, right? Give us wisdom, too. I want to throw that in there. Need a little. Okay. It's okay. We can cry out for wisdom. Book of James. Okay. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, too. All right? We do have this sweet, precious verse that we can underline, that we can highlight, that we can put a little blue cloud around with a ballpoint pen and say, yes, Lord, too. Yes, Lord, please. And what is the context here? The context is John the Revelator, the apostle, a, a holy man, writing to a guy with a ton of respect, Gaius, a beloved friend that he loves. And not only does he love him, but truth is so associated with this guy. Like, I don't know if you if you've got that friend, like, I want to be that friend for you. <laughs> and just in our current, just value for truth again in our life. Remember, we've been talking about valuing truth. I just catch myself, like, that was an exaggeration, or that might, like, I want to be a man of truth. I, I once was called by a friend, Adam Poole, a champion of truth. And I think that was in the context of, like, doctrinal truth. But I want to be a truth every day of my life. If the dog was in the backyard, I want to say the dog was in the backyard, not the front yard. If the, I just want, I want truth to, I want to value that. Okay, and so that was Gaius, though. So because he was a, a beloved friend, loved in truth, you could trust him. You could trust him with something like this. Beloved, I just got a prayer for you, man. I have a prayer that you 
would prosper. <gasps> what about Joel Osteen, man? Like, that's out there. You know? What about Benny Hinn? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so on and so forth, you know? And, oh, let's not use that word, you know? Too late. Written down. Inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Ink paper forever in every hotel across the country. I have a prayer for you, and it is that you would prosper that you would have success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Health and wealth movement, tale as old as time. The cults, the false teachers, it's all out there. But man, my beloved, my friend, my truth champion, oh Lord, prosper you. Well, you know, how? Yes. In all things prosper you in all things, that you would get along well, that you would gain in business is the lexicon I was looking up in the Greek, that you would be complete. Gaius, that your business would prosper, that your family would prosper, that your marriage would prosper, that you would have success within your household and within your education. And I think it's true that as we know those holy men, those holy women who are, uh, you know, as we're going to read in a little bit, they're hospitable. It seems they're using their resources for the kingdom of God. We can kind of be quick to pray that out. We can kind of be quick to say, it's like, Lord, I, I trust this guy with your prosperity because I know it's not going to end on him or her. It's not about their kingdom. It's not about their glory. It's not about their luxury. It's about they're going to be using their life as a distribution center. And as the prosperity comes in, it goes back out to reach the world with the gospel, to touch the intense hurting people, the, the broken, the hungry, the poor. And so I pray blessing on them because it will not end with them. It will end with your glory among all peoples. And so in all things, Barnes, the commentator, writes, it applies here for any plan or purpose entertained. It would apply to success in business, prosperity in any of the engagements and transactions in which a Christian may lawfully engage. And I just was noticing that in this case, John wasn't praying it for himself. He was praying it for someone else. It was that selfless love that desired to see others prosper. And that, that prayer was applicable for any purpose entertained in a Christian's life, success in business, prosperity in any engagement or transaction that was lawfully engageable, okay? So in all things, and then there's a little more specificity, okay? And in health, that you would be in health. Praying for healing, praying for health. Oh, health and wealth, prosperity, like yeah, I know, right? Some bad juju out there, okay? But, wow, what strength and what benefit in health as well. Lord uses suffering. Lord uses sickness. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my closest family member's life. I've seen people be born again through the death of my father when I was 19 years old. I've seen people strengthened and encouraged and comforted with the comfort that I've been comforted. This is uh, 2 Corinthians, in case you're wondering. Comforted with the comfort that I've been comforted with when I went through times of comforting when the Lord decided to comfort me. Something like that. It's like so many comforts in that verse. Because the Lord let me go through suffering. I know God uses suffering. Praise God. But I've seen the Lord use healing, miraculous, to testify to the gospel, to validate the gospel. And I've seen the Lord use healthy individuals to be able to use that strength to go full bore for the kingdom of God. That they would be healthy, that they would be sound. And so you just got this great prayer here. 
that you would prosper in all things, that you would be in health. I don't know why, but when I was brushing my teeth, I just had these phrases, good on ya, come to mind, you know? Just kind of that, I don't know if that's Australian or what, but good on ya. Like, that's kind of what is here, you know? As I read many commentaries, they were all trying to, like, think of what it was in their culture. Or all the best, all the best, blessings, blessings to you. But also within this verse, we have another great contextual help for us. Look at the very end. It says that this all is to be just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. So I pray that you would prosper in all things, that you would be in health. Praise God. Praise God. And then also this interesting uh, word, as, as your soul prospers. That you would be in good health physically just as you are spiritually. That you would have a good journey and success within business and home and life, but that it would all be as you are in your soul strength. Just looking up in a simple concordance on my phone today. Just the language in the scripture of the saving of our souls. You know, that our souls would be saved. And one man that I read said, okay, take, like if you were somehow able to transpose your soul strength out into manifest itself in the flesh right now, what would it look like? For instance, wherever you're at with the Lord today, like, when you come out, like, are you on your deathbed? Like, you look great today coming in, you know. But then all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm just going to show everyone's soul health real quick, you know. Like, you got souls with the chicken pox over here, you know. You've got souls with, you know, influenza A. You've got the bombs over here with this soul. It's just there is some soul sickness going on, right? But as our soul would be healthy, as uh, the, the Shema says to the Jews, love the Lord your God with all your soul. There's souls that are saved in this place. There's souls that are loving God. There's souls that are strengthened as the disciples, as the apostles went back up through where their first missionary journey was and they strengthened the souls of the disciples because they were encouraged to continue on in the faith and they were told, through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of God. David, I was reminded of that David heard that all these guys wanted to kill him, King David. And so it says that David went and he strengthened himself in the Lord. It's like, where's your soul at today? Do you need some soul strength? Do you need some health? What about your soul today? Is it a soul that's been saved? Is it a soul that's been born again? Is your eternal state in a place right now where you've been forgiven for your sins and you have the hope of heaven because of the righteousness of Jesus and the blood that he shed on the cross? Or is your soul perishing today? And I just want to just give you that great opportunity, even here where you sit, that where you're at, you can just tell the Lord, like, Lord, if I'm honest with you right now, my soul has leprosy, you know? My soul has cancer. My soul is sinful. But I'm hearing today that Jesus, you've paid it all. You've shed your blood for my sins. You want to wash it away? You want to make me a, a new person, a new creation? You want to give me new desires? Yes, please. Healthy soul, please. I'll take it. Just right where you're at. Just cry that out to the Lord. But he prayed out for Gaius, knowing that he had a, a, a healthy soul. That just as your soul is healthy, man, I'm praying just, man, good on you. You know, I'm praying just for success. Success in all your future endeavors, right? I like the ESV. Can I just throw a couple translations out at you? ESV, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. And that you may be in good health just it goes, as it goes well with your soul. The NASB says, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. 
the NIV says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. And finally, the Phillips. My heartfelt prayer for you, my very dear friend, is that you may be as healthy and prosperous in every way as you are in soul. Psalm 20 is a verse that is referenced here with this. And it says in Psalm 20, verse 1, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Well, good prayers even for today. Good prayers for you, church. Here we are in the sanctuary. You know, we're in a sanctuary, right? A sanctuary where we're spending time in the presence of the Lord. We're hearing from his word. And if you're in a day of trouble today, here in Prineville, we just pray that God would defend you. You know, uh, so often in those prayers, you're like, unless, you know, you're totally in the wrong and you're being a scumbag, then, you know, man, you need to get caught. <laughs> you know, you, you need to go through some chastening and some correction. But may the Lord work for you. May the Lord sometimes bring that into your life. May he send you help and strengthen you. Verse 3, may he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. You can think about that, what the word selah, to meditate upon that. And then you get into this, and it could be a dangerous verse. If you didn't know the whole of the Bible. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. You know, as we talked about on our building dedication day, as Solomon prayed out dedicating the temple, you know, and he prayed the same prayer, may God cause our cause to be strong. May God cause our purpose to advance. And what is our purpose? A Christian's purpose, a believer's purpose, is not the advancement of self. Self-righteousness by self-means to the end of self-fulfillment and self-glorification. That's the heart and sum of every other false religion in the world. A Christian's purpose is that they would spend and be spent for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the gospel, that all the nations would know the, the story of Jesus' salvation, his saving love, that Jesus would be glorified and worshipped, and that we could enjoy him forever. And when we know that as Bible believers, we know our purpose, then we can say, hey, Lord, grant you all your heart's desire as your soul prospers. As you know the mission and purpose of God, good on you. More power to you. Would he fulfill your purpose? And Lord, do that in us. If you're new to the church, you just go out these double doors and right around the corner we have our vision statement, our purpose statement written on the wall. And it is just that. It's about advancing the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel to all nations, embodying and proclaiming the gospel for his glory and, and for our joy. And in fact, it goes on to say that in this Psalm, verse 20. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Like, if you know what it's saying there is, Lord, defend me, fight for me, strengthen me, Remember the worship going toward you from me and grant according to all my heart's desires. Fulfill your purpose in me. My purpose is your purpose and we will rejoice in salvation. We will worship you and praise you and enjoy salvation. And then it's this missional passage, a missionary psalm. In the name of our God, we'll set up our banners. We know who our God is and man, we will wave the banners. For his provision in our life. That he cares for us. We will wave our. Isn't that what the Pentecostals do? Good on them. Wave the banner. Worship the name of Jesus. Declare his faithfulness to all generations. Oh that he would raise up a prodigy. That he would raise up a generation. That isn't afraid to praise God. For his goodness in the good times. And his goodness in the horrific times. He is good. He is good. And we can proclaim that to the farthest parts of the earth on our banners or our t-shirts, you know. Facebook page, whatever it is we got. 
A verse that just uh, rings for me is almost a theme verse for our church in Psalm 67. We love this verse, uh, s- a series of verses, what is it, uh, nine, uh, seven verses. But it starts out, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Save us. Save us. Were you saved? Law. The laws out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so we love this verse. It's a high priestly prayer from the book of Numbers. Who doesn't want mercy here today? Anybody need some mercy? Right? Need a little mercy here. All right. You know it. Yeah. Oh, who doesn't want blessing? Anyone blessings? I could use some blessings from God. Hello. I'll take raising your hand in the back. Okay. All right, Loretta. Thanks. Okay. These are rhetorical questions. Put your hands. No, I'm teasing. Yeah, we want the Lord's mercy for sin. We want his favor. We want his grace, blessings poured out on us. Oh, that the face of God would shine on us. But many within the health and wealth movement would take that verse and be like, well, we're done here today, everybody. Like, woo, blessings, all right? But the verse gives us the context with that word that. What is all this blessing and mercy and God's face shining on us for? It's that your way may be known in all the earth. So there's a missional purpose of God here in the mercy and in the blessings and in his face shining on us. Give us increase, Lord, that we can pour it out for your name's sake. That we can testify of your goodness. It goes on to say, uh, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Your saving ways, how you save people, that all the nations would know that you are a God who saves, and this is how you've done it through your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross. So all of the goodness of God poured out on us, all of his blessings are so that we can be a blessing and tell the world about him. And that psalm goes on in a few verses in verse 5. He says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So you kind of get the hint. We've been blessed so that all the nations could know his salvation, and then they will praise him. All the peoples, all the nations will praise him. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. Okay, so some of the, uh, the language there is actually that God, give us increase. It's really the third John prayer here, okay? Bless us in all ways. Bless our marriage, bless our home, bless our children, bless their education, bless all of our endeavors, God. As we're seeking you, we know that you're leading us, that our endeavors are your endeavors. This purpose behind it of all the peoples praising you, and that Lord in all that, you would bring increase, that the earth would bring a yield. And so we can pray these prayers of, you know, I always think of the farmers here in this area. You know, Lord, give us a good yield this year. More bales per acre. More calves in the calving season. Healthy, making it through those winter weeks and months. Lord, give us more numbers. Give us more twins coming out of those first-year heifers. You know, how's this happening? We didn't even have to pull them, you know. Lord, give us more clients in our offices. Give us, Lord, just, and, and this isn't, though, so that, so that I can get that, you know, you know, Lamborghini I always wanted, you know. Fits so well in Prineville. I can think of all the ways I could use it, you know. Okay, a YZ426F, you know. Oh, yeah, Lord, bigger rims on my monster truck that spin when I stop at the stop sign. Praise God, you know. I'll do a jig for that, you know. Like that is misplaced affection in our prayer. It's a misunderstanding of the purposes of God in that. But when we pray for the blessings, good on you, good on you, praise the Lord, bring blessing in every way possible, let the marriages be strong, let the babies be healthy, so that the world can know your glory, and your love, and your salvation, that they would know Jesus. And it goes on to say, God, our own God shall bless us, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. 
Okay, so do you see how we don't want to be careful? We want to be careful. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The health and wealth and prosperity theology that is a false gospel and leads people into bondage and discouragement and works-based righteousness and works-based sanctification and, and, you know, puts God in a place of being a debtor to them because they're just so special, okay, versus, God, you are so gracious to me, a sinner. Pour out more of your grace to me. Pour out more of your mercy. Oh, the more I see your beauty, the more I see your holiness, the more I see what a wretch I was and that that grace would save a wretch like me, how beautiful that is. I'm going to write it in a poem. I'm going to write it in a song. I'm going to write it on my Facebook wall today. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to my cubicle. I'm going to post it with pens all over the place. I'm going to be telling the person about it at the water cooler. I'm going to be telling my friend about it on the bus. I'm going to be going on that mission trip this spring. I'm going to be, because I just can't contain it. I've got to declare, like all the peoples of the world, the glories of God. And so he was able to pray this prayer for Gaius. In verse 3, and we're wrapping up here. There's the word for there, right? It's a connecting phrase. You guys all back with me? Kind of jumped around a little bit there. Back in uh, 3 John 3. For I rejoiced greatly. When brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. So he's able to pray that prayer of blessing over Gaius because Gaius is a guy that is a champion of truth. And when, when report comes back of how things are going in Gaius's life, it's a good report. Like Gaius isn't fleecing the flock. Gaius isn't using the money, you know, to buy a private jet and another private jet and the Rolls Royce and the, you know, suit made out of pure silk or whatever else, you know. Um, you know, but, but he's using it to minister. He's using it to love people. He's using it to testify of the truth there in verse 3. Truth that was in him. And as it was in him... He's walking in the truth. You do your research, and you know that these false teachers within the prosperity movement, they know that there's a level of untruthiness to what they do. And so they're shady, and they try to cover it over. Know the truth. Research the truth. Love the truth. Let it be in you, church. Walk in the truth as Gaius. As he says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So this is John, the apostle. It's been said that it was his last letter he wrote, which puts it after Revelation and makes it the last book of the Bible, really, that was penned. So here's the last apostle, the last living apostle. See, at verse 1, he calls himself the elder. And just this old grandpa dude just says, you know what? I got no greater joy than to know that my kids, my disciples, love the truth. They love the truth. They walk in the truth. This was a good verse for me this week. As a dad of four, there's so many seasons where, I mean, it's Bible reading every morning. It's singing songs. It's clapping hands, you know. It's prayers in the cars. It's Action Bible, Jesus Storybook Bible, Read With Me Bible for Toddlers. It's, you know, Saddleback Kids on the screen, watching Jesus do great things in cartoon form. You know, just, oh, yeah. And then there's just times it's like, man, when was the last time we read together as a family? When was the last time we worked on scripture memory? So coming to this verse this week, it was like, oh, man, there have been some things. There have been some good things. But, wow, Lord, we kind of got out of step there, didn't we? Let's come back. Let's drink of the well. And so there is a family coming in uh, back and reading Ruth this week. And um, the joy that we have to hear our children walk in the truth. As a pastor, so great to see our students, uh, as I was a high school pastor for many years, to see them grow up and love the Lord. There's also no greater sorrow than to see those students uh, just rebel against God and, and go and worship idols. Uh, there's, there's no greater sorrow as well. But here as a father, there was... There's no greater joy than to hear they walk in the truth. And 
Worship team, if you want to go ahead and come on up. This great joy that was in John, cheering them on, knowing Gaius was a children of a child of the truth. We too desire to be in that category of verse four. Those who walk in the truth. As we are in this endurance race, continuing in the faith, maybe another 40 years that we have, maybe another 50, 60, 70. We want to run this race well, amen. We want to walk in the truth. We want to be so cautious and not be deceived. As 2 John verse 7 speaks of, this being deceived and led astray by false teachers. We don't want to be pulled away by the desires of our flesh. Luxury. Boy, that's, man, everything within Rory, like, craves some luxury. Everything within Rory wouldn't mind just, you know, just living the good old life of money, money, money. You know, more money, more problems, though, all right? And so, Lord, just keep us on that just biblical mindset of the provision of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord for the purposes of the Lord. In the times of fatness, oh, Lord, there would just be more going out for your kingdom and for your glory. In the times of leanness, there would be more trust in you, more dependence upon you. And as we just move to prayer, you can set your things aside. We just desire, Lord, to be the Gaius of this book. And as we'll look at in the weeks to come, just the Diotrephes would would be someone we would avoid. And Demetrius would be someone who we could, could emulate. We could copy him, a good man. But Lord, today in this character study, kind of part one of Gaius, just a guy who is in the truth has the truth in him. Let that be a marker of us at Calvary Chapel, Lord, in this new season for us, this new building, so much that could be a distraction for us, so much that we could compromise in just so we could maybe make ends meet or go bigger or better or this or that, Lord. And we just never want to compromise the truth, Lord. Just keep us in the truth. Let us be those children that would bring great joy to our pastor's hearts, to our parents' hearts, walking in the truth. And, And even just a word for us, Lord, as parents. How often we just, we get so overjoyed when our child hits the home run and, or scores the winning basket or is the honor roll student. But they're walk with you might be foundering. We put all the energy of a a parent into their success on the secular levels, but we're not investing in them spiritually. In fact, all of our misaffection has put them on the path to hell. We just pray for just a stirring of your spirit in the parents in this room, that, that our affections for our children would be that they would drive towards that goal in Christ Jesus. Followers of Christ Jesus. Obedient to Christ Jesus. Knowing the word. Singing the praise songs. Memorizing the scriptures. Serving within the church. A passion for your glory. Lord, that those would be things that mark our kids. 